podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are going to have to drag ourselves back to football. Um, the Texas or Kansas goes to Texas Tech uh, tomorrow to go ahead and resume the second half of the season. So, um, to, to get ready for that, I went ahead and, sp- and got in touch with one of our, our old friends of the podcast and, and of the Rock Chalk Talk site, uh, Seth Hungman. Over, he's now running the site called Staking the Plains. Um, they they focus mostly on Texas Tech, but they, they have a great site over there. I definitely recommend if you want any additional information, go ahead and check them out. But let's let's go ahead and get you guys right on over to the interview. And I'm joined now by Seth Youngman. He is the yes the founder over at Staking the Plains. Is that right? That's correct. All right, I thought so. Yeah. You actually um we've actually worked together in the past. You used to be the managing editor over at uh Viva the Matadors uh, the, the SB nation site that, that covers Texas tech. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to go ahead and talk to you again. So my first question for you has been, is what do you think of this Texas tech season so far? I know that there was a lot of talk about Cliff Kingsbury potentially being on the hot seat going into this year. Um, but he seems to have, have his team performing pretty well. What's been your overall impression of the season? So, I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, I don't know that really a lot of fans had us going, you know, four and two uh, to start the year. You know, we were maybe going to struggle, especially on the road at TCU, on the road at Oklahoma State. You know, we hadn't beaten Oklahoma State since 2008. So, um, you know, so – you know, I think there was just, you know, a lot of doubt about how the season was going to turn out. And so now that it's not turned out that way, I think that everybody's just really pleasantly surprised and kind of feeling pretty good about things. And um, so it's a good feeling, I think. Uh, we're not used to it. We're used to being very pessimistic uh, about how things are going. So. Yeah, it's definitely – uh, been a little interesting. I know you guys were kind of the the trendy pick for a potential Kansas upset um, going into the year uh, with all the questions surrounding Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, now it would be a gigantic upset if Kansas were to be able to come in and, and, and actually win this game. But there's been some, I guess, some, some uh, juggling or some uncertainty. I believe it was because of injury, though, at the quarterback position for the for the Red Raiders. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, we have been snake bit as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Uh, the first game of the year against Ole Miss, the name starting quarterback got injured. Um, and in comes freshman Alan Bowman. And so then he starts until uh, basically the West Virginia game. If he gets injured in that game, he has a collapsed lung. Uh, the original starter, McLean Carter, he had a high ankle sprain. And you know how that can take anywhere yeah. between – you know, six weeks and two months to heal. So that's had him on the shelf for that long. Um, 
And so now we're on our third string quarterback, which is great. <laughs> uh, and he's actually done really well. I mean, he did really well on the road against TCU. Um, he's not as accurate as maybe as a lot of Texas Tech quarterbacks are used to. Um, but he has uh, a tremendous ability to scramble. Um, so he adds a completely different dimension to the Texas Tech offense. We just, I don't know if we've really ever seen someone scramble or have the ability to run as much as him. Uh, it's very, very unique for sure. So you mentioned that this, this new quarterback, and I'm sorry, I didn't actually catch his name, but um, it's uh, Jet Duffy. Jet Duffy, okay. That that he isn't necessarily as accurate as you would like. Um, how how concerned are you then going against this Kansas defense that, you know, despite the fact that they played and got a bunch against Rutgers and Central Michigan, they they do actually lead the nation in total turnovers. Um, how how worried are you about that turnover situation going into this week? I am actually very concerned just because Duffy does have a propensity to um, maybe make some bad decisions. Uh, he did against TCU, and he did um, in the second half. Like, we were down by one score in, uh, against uh, West Virginia, and he throws a pick six that basically ends the game. So, you know, he has – the ability to both win and lose games, and so that's a little bit concerning. Um, you know, the idea is that um, Kingsbury has done a very good job prepping his quarterbacks and getting them ready for that particular game, and so I think that when he has time, like he's had an extra couple days than he normally does in prepping uh, Duffy, because I don't think that there's any question. I don't think that this is one of those deals where you know, Alan Bowman, the freshman, could go, or McLean Carter could go. No, it's almost 99% sure it's going to be Jet Duffy. So, right. Um, he does a good job of getting him ready. And I'm, you know, yeah, it's concerning and whatever, but, you know, I don't think that um, it's to the point where, um, I don't know, like, He's going to probably throw at least one pick. That's okay, but he makes up for it. So I guess I can live with it. You know, there's not no, – no no quarterback or player is perfect. So you just kind of roll with the punches. It sounds a lot like you're describing a, uh, a rather famous former Texas Tech quarterback, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it seems like, you know, maybe not quite to that level, obviously, with him being the third stringer, but, you know, go, going to make mistakes but is mobile enough and, and savvy enough to be able to make up for it with some of the other things that he does. Is that a – a somewhat overgeneralized but but accurate comparison? Yeah, I think so. You know, with Mahomes, he's got that magical arm, and Duffy does not have that. You know, right. he cannot make, um, make up for mistakes with that cannon. So it's quite different from that respect. So he's not, not the passer that Mahomes is, not even close. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Duffy is actually faster than Mahomes. Mahomes, it really isn't that fast. Boy, he sure does. I don't know. Are you a Chiefs fan? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. That, that's part of the reason I wanted to find a way to talk about Mahomes, and that was just the perfect segue. So. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, I mean, so you know that Mahomes isn't necessarily fast, but, boy, he sure is elusive at times. Um, right. And, uh, but Duffy's actually really fast, or at least in my opinion, I think he's pretty darn fast. So, so um, it sounds like – you know, he actually kind of has a has a leg up, maybe even compared to some of the other guys that have been there, because Kansas has already been burned quite a few times by mobile quarterbacks. 
that are able to kind of tuck it and run if they need to. So Baylor just ate them alive doing that. Um, they didn't seem to really have a good a good way to spy the quarterback and actually keep him in the pocket. So um, it, it sounds like you guys have a have a good backup plan in case Kansas is actually you know doing pretty well with the with the coverage. Um, what what about the rest of the offense? I mean, Texas Tech I think generally has a a, rep, a reputation of being like a, a heavy system oriented offense that, you know, you have guys that put up gaudy numbers, but it has a whole lot more to do with the actual system itself than necessarily the talent from the guys that are in it. Um, are there any guys though, that kind of stand out to you talent wise at any of the other offensive positions? So uh, there's a guy named uh, Antoine Wesley, who is the uh, receiver. Um, and he's actually really good. Um, he's six five and one eighty. I think I explained to him previously that he kind of looks like a small forward. Um, so you would think that he just doesn't play football because he is really skinny. But um, he has the ability to go up and catch the ball where normally uh, other guys don't. Um, and then there's a guy on the other side named T.J. Vasher who's been kind of often on injured. Um, that is six six and one eighty five or something like that, and I'm probably getting their weights wrong, but you know they're just tall and skinny kids, right? And so for opposing uh, defenses, they've actually been really tough covers because um, you just don't see six five wide receivers, um, and they've got long arms so they can go up above um, players, and so it's been a lot of fun watching those guys play, and it's also kind of just interesting to see how. Kingsbury and then kind of said, hey, look, you know, we maybe can't get the fastest guys, but maybe we need to do something else to maybe counteract what defenses are going to present. And so by getting really big receivers, you have a big catch radius that can go up and get the ball. Um, that's a, still a really tough cover for them. So I don't know. I think it's actually been, you know, kind of interesting to watch those guys. And they're probably the biggest threat um, offensively. Uh, there's a walk-on. His name is J.B. on high. He's actually really good uh, in the slot. Um, he scored the lone passing or receiving touchdown last week against um, TCU. Um, and so uh, those are probably the biggest offensive threats other than whoever's at quarterback. Okay. So moving over to the defense, I think that's kind of always been the biggest question for a Texas Tech team is can the defense actually do anything and, and stop the opposing team? Um, I, I'm trying to look up their numbers right now, but they don't seem to necessarily be as bad of a defense as we typically associate with Texas Tech. Is that a, I mean, is is that an act, an, an accurate statement, or were they just really good against a struggling TCU team last week that made it seem that way? Yes, to both questions. <laughs> um, so I think that I think that they played really good defense against TCU, and um, I think that carried over from the second half of the West Virginia game. Um, I thought that they did a really nice job of kind of like uh, not knowing where um, they're going to be blitzing from. Uh, you know, they would normally rush like three guys and then bring some blitzer and then back someone off the line of scrimmage. Um, so that made it really difficult for West Virginia and for TCU. Um, but they played really well. The defensive line is actually pretty good. But I also think that um, TCU does not have the best offense. I think that they are probably going to struggle offensively for the rest of the year. So, you know, I think that 
a lot of people will tend to think, well, oh, well, then, you know, Texas Tech has totally turned the corner and they've made all the strides that they need to make. So game over, whatever. And that's not how I feel. Um, I think that there's still a lot of room for improvement. Um, and um, I think that they just happen to play a really down and out uh, offensive team in TCU and probably the same thing against Oklahoma State. I think that Oklahoma State is not as good offensively as a lot of people maybe thought at the beginning of the year. So, um, Yeah, I think that that's pretty fair given the way they played against Iowa State last week. Um, you know, and even even some of the problems that they had going back to Kansas. I mean, they had huge over-the-top plays, but if you, you know, if, if you, they don't get those plays where Kansas just consistently couldn't cover them for whatever reason, the, the rest of their offense didn't really do that. You know, I'm sorry, the, the rest of the defense itself didn't really, you know, play very well. I, I'm, I'm getting myself confused here. Anyway. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying, though. But, yeah, I mean, their quarterback doesn't do a really great job of – getting the ball downfield, he'll hit on a couple, but throwing the deep ball, he's really not that good at throwing receivers open. He's, I mean, every once in a while he will, but he's just, I don't know, I wasn't that impressed with him, and I thought that maybe he should move on to someone else, but hey, that's not my thing. So. Yeah, so, so I actually did just look up the numbers, and Texas Tech is ranked 105th in FBS in, in terms of total yards for the defense. Um, it's like 447 yards a game. And then they're allowing 28.2 points a game on average. Uh, and that's good for 80th. So, which is, which is even worse than what Kansas is doing. And it seems like Kansas has been giving up a ton, um, you know, especially recently. So yeah, I don't think you can say that the, the defense is quote unquote fixed, but they definitely have been able to take advantage against the less offensively inclined teams, it seems. So, um, so, I mean, who on this defense does Kansas need to really worry about? Because Kansas seems to have problems with um, the, their offensive line especially. Um, how strong is, is the front seven for for Texas Tech? So, then I guess that kind of – so, I think that the front seven is actually really good. Dakota Allen's the best player. He's that linebacker that was featured on Last Chance U a couple years ago. Uh, so, he played last year as a junior and then this year as a senior. And um, so he's really talented. He's by far the best player, uh, maybe even on the team. That's, yeah, he is the best player on the team. Uh, Jordan Brooks is the other linebacker that joins him. And then we've kind of got like a nice little rotational defensive line. They rotate uh, seven or eight different guys in there, and it really works out well. Um, they all kind of are basically very similar players in the sense they all got good motors. None of them are really getting tired from the long, you know, how the Big 12 is. You can run 100 plays. So no one's having to go 100 plays anymore where they're just totally gassed at the end of the fourth quarter. Right. Um, so uh, that's been really encouraging. So our strength is definitely the defensive line uh, and the linebackers. While I think our secondary is really kind of struggling for the most part, um, teams are able to hit really um, – can hit some big plays. I know they're supposed to be bends that don't break, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. And so they've kind of been eaten up in terms of yardage, in my opinion, over the course of the year. Um, and and I noticed too that like that's kind of one of the things that Kansas does really well 
is that they'll they'll pop a really I mean I've watched some video but I mean they'll pop some really big play and uh, kind of make you look silly whenever it comes down to the passing game so um, that's probably my biggest concern is whether or not um, Kansas can throw the ball down the field and but honestly they're Y'all's running backs are really fantastic too, um, so that kind of gives me cause for um, concern because I think that that could potentially be a problem. But I, we've seen some pretty good running backs already and had moderate success, so I'm hoping that that continues, um, you know, on Saturday. Yeah, I I don't think you guys need to be too worried about the passing game, especially the deep passing game from Kansas. I mean. The best, the best quarterback that we have in terms of trying to throw the ball down the field would be Peyton Bender, um, and he he is not very elusive at all. He really needs good offensive line protection, and the offensive line has been one of the big problems. He holds on to the ball too long. He tries to, to lead guys, I think, a little bit too much, and so he's not necessarily the most accurate down the field. Um, where, where Kansas has kind of excelled, and you know, part of the problem, too, is which, which quarterback they end up playing, but is in that short passing game um, where they almost use it like runs, where they do like a you know four or five yard slant route or something like that over the middle. Um, or they try to get a guy like Puka Williams out in space. So like throw it to him out on the wing um, and, and let him try to run in that open space out there. I'm sorry, out in the flat. I'm, I'm using basketball terminology for a football game. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so they, you know, so they try to throw it to him out in the flat and then let him use that, that elusiveness to get around the few guys that are out there. So um, that's interesting that you say that because like both quarterbacks average like five and a half yards per pass. So they are not throwing the ball down the field. Really no, they're not really throwing the ball very, very like the reason that that, that that is so long is typically because they throw very short passes either behind the line of scrimmage or maybe a yard down the field out in the flat. And okay. the receivers are kind of turning it into big games. I mean, Puka Williams himself, I think, has turned a couple, you know, running back screens into 60-yard plays. So um, they benefit a lot from that. There is not a lot of throwing the ball deep down the field. I believe the, the longest pass that's actually been thrown down the field was like 25 yards, and that was a 25-yard touchdown. So, um, okay. yeah, they don't they don't typically throw over the top too much, and when they do – it's got to be like really open or the offensive line really has to give him a ton of time to be able to set up for it. So, mm. yeah, I probably wouldn't be too worried about that. If, 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 if you're a Texas tech fan of Kansas beating you over the top, it's more of a, you need to be worried about the guys outside, either Steven Sims jr. Or Puka Williams or any of those fast guys that they have being able to make a few guys miss and, and make a big play that way. Okay. So, but all right. So, I mean, I guess, you know, really, the only the only thing left is really to kind of ask about one, the Big Twelve in general. Uh, I'm I'm kind of having reverse deja vu to to the basketball season from last year. Um, you know, essentially we've got a bunch of stuff flopped where Kansas, you know, was clearly well, not 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 clearly until the very end, the best team in the Big Twelve, but then in the middle it was just completely jumbled. We have essentially the same sort of thing where. The top of the Big 12 is Oklahoma and Texas. The bottom of the Big 12 here now is obviously Kansas and, and maybe Kansas State. But everything in the middle is completely jumbled, it seems, this year. Um, do you see any kind of clear tiers for the Big, for the Big 12 in terms of the, the teams in the middle? Or, or do you disagree with any of those teams that are up at the top or at the bottom? 
No, I think that, um, yeah, I think that you kind of got it right. Uh, Oklahoma is, to me, Oklahoma and Texas are the clear top-tier teams right now, but I'm still concerned about Texas's offense. I don't know that it's um, all that, um, you know, because Erlinger ha- is very good, but he also um, has the propensity to get injured just because, he plays like a linebacker, and so that's kind of a problem. I mean, he's a big kid, but, you know, when you play that way, you're more likely to get injured. So I kind of tend to think that, like, the Iowa State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas are all going to be maybe right there in the mix. Um, I think that maybe uh, Oklahoma State and TCU are maybe not going to be as good as, you know, originally projected. and then, yeah, like you say, kind of there's uh, Kansas State uh, and Kansas and Baylor maybe at the bottom of the Big 12. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of tend to think that Oklahoma and Texas are the clear folks now. And I actually think that Oklahoma is going to end up winning the Big 12 probably pretty handily, if I had to guess. I don't – I think that, yeah, they definitely had a hiccup, but um, they have too much talent to – be terrible so yeah i mean i honestly i would be surprised if they lose another game the rest of the year um just because of how talented they are and now that they've made a change at the at at the defensive coordinator like i know that that doesn't necessarily fix everything right away but um, they have a different voice there they have an opportunity to really get that turned around and honestly looking at the schedule that they have i mean you know they do have to travel to lubbock uh, but they tend to play pretty well um, against Texas Tech, either, you know, matching them on the offensive end. You know, we all remember that huge shootout between Oklahoma and Texas Tech a few years ago. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, so, I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily too concerned about Oklahoma's ability. I'm definitely concerned about Texas' ability. They've, they've shown that they play up and down to their opponents. Um, you know, so it's very, very hard to think that they're going to be consistent enough to avoid a couple upsets here or there. And so – uh, you know, I, I definitely think that that Oklahoma would have to lose at least one more game for Texas to have the op- the opportunity to share the Big 12 title. Um, yeah. And Texas still has quite a few, uh, just in in terms of huge games of their own that they still have to play. So. Um, yeah, both Texas and OU have to come to Lubbock, so that should be interesting. Oh, and, and yeah, that's right. That, you have them in back-to-back weeks too, don't don't you? I don't know if we have them in back-to-back weeks. I think well, we yeah, may. I looking at it right now, schedule. yeah. So you have November third. Okay. So, so after after this week, you guys have Iowa State going but to no Iowa one State. Wants to go to Ames. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you guys. Honestly, I thought Iowa State was going to have problems, uh, and then their their offense has really kind of woken up in the last few weeks. Um, yeah. But so you have you're going at Iowa State next week, and then the third of November you host Oklahoma, and then the tenth of November. So the next week you guys host Texas. So should be an interesting stretch for you. Yes, it'll be a very tough one for sure. So yeah, so I mean, but back to the to the top of the Big Twelve. I mean, West Virginia looked for a while like they were going to be one of those teams up at the top, but the way that that offense um, you know struggled, the way that they did against Kansas, and then struggled again the next week. Like I'm having I'm having a hard time honestly thinking that West Virginia is just going to be able to stay up with them. Um, you know, I, I honestly would not be surprised to see an Oklahoma, Texas rematch or an Oklahoma, Texas tech championship game. 
so I think that those are probably my top three teams. You know, you, you guys are definitely a much better team than I gave you credit for starting the year. Um, you guys definitely have the firepower and honestly the record right now to be able to push uh, to, to stay up in that, in that top two, three teams the rest of the year. So, so I guess really the, that kind of is, is my final question for you is, you know, overall now, given the way that we are to this point, how optimistic are you for this team's chances of competing for the big 12 title rest of the year? So to me, a lot of it depends on Bowman's health. Uh, if Bowman isn't healthy, then I don't know that we really have a, I mean, cause we're down to our third string quarterback. I mean, it's, I know that no one really kind of talks about that, but, I mean, it, it's kind of a big deal. And Bowman is a significantly better passer, a uh, much better decision maker, doesn't turn the ball over like Jet Duffy does. So um, we don't have that. And so um, if he's healthy, I mean, it, it's a collapsed lung. Uh, so this will – he'll probably miss the Kansas game. So that will be two games that he would have missed. Um, and so then the hope is is that he might be ready for after that um, against Iowa State. And I and I honestly, to me, I think Texas Tech has three toss-up games. I think that uh, Texas is a toss-up game. I think that Iowa State's a toss-up game. We should beat uh, Kansas. We should beat Baylor, which is still technically a toss-up game to me. And then we should also beat Kansas State. But honestly, the Kansas State game is looking more like a toss-up game because they had a very good week last week, too. So. Yeah, I don't know if that Kansas State game should really be considered to be a toss-up game, though. I mean, Kansas State, I think, benefited from exactly what we were talking about uh, with Oklahoma State you know, really, really falling off. Um, that That Kansas State offense is nowhere near as good as they actually showed themselves to be. And the defense has some real problems. I think Oklahoma State's just falling apart at this point. Um, I mean, yeah, theoretically they could they could still be, you know, contending with a few of the contenders. Like um, they could definitely give you guys a game, but I wouldn't be nearly as worried about that game as I would about some of the other teams you have, especially Baylor. Um, okay. I, I am I am kind of curious though. The Baylor, like, who who is your guys' biggest rival now in the Big Twelve? You know, I actually was eating lunch with a couple of people, and we talked about that very same question. And I don't know. I think that the way that the Big 12 was kind of set up, I mean, I think that, you know, growing up, it was always, well, UT and uh, A&M are always our rivals. But A&M and UT fans would always say, oh, well, we don't really care about you. You're not our rival. And we say, okay, well, then we'll just kick your ass or whatever. Right, right. right. Um, and that really only happened with uh, A&M for a long period of time when Bleach was there. And so um, whenever uh, – and so we've kind of been very competitive against Texas recently. Um, and so that's kind of been encouraging. Um but, I mean, TCU's probably the closest geographic rival. Everyone really kind of dislikes Baylor, um, you know, just because of all the stuff that they've had going on. So oh, yeah. kind of like bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, we, so, have, we have repeatedly had calls for why the heck are they even still in the Big 12 at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I would be fine if, like, Houston entered the fray. I mean, just whatever. I know no one else really wants to see another Big Texas school come in, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Anybody but Baylor, kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I I just think that you know, I guess we all band together. 
if we have to, but really, and honestly, like the teams from the north, like Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State and West Virginia, I don't just, I don't hate any of them. But I think right. it's probably because, you know, we didn't grow up having that rivalry. Um, yeah. Like we did with UT and uh, Texas a and So what about you guys? I mean, it has to be Kansas State. And at one time it was Missouri. So at one time it was Missouri. Um, I mean, it's kind of still there. Like the fan bases still kind of hate each other, but right. I, I mean, obviously they're not an on-field rival any longer. Um, Kansas State has kind of always been to us kind of that that little brother type school, um, right. you know, where they're they're a rival in name, but to be honest, I I have a hard time really thinking of them as a rival, um, just because one, I I kind of want them to do better than any other Big 12 team typically, unless, you know, it, it directly hurts Kansas. Um, but it's also kind of hard a lot of times to really take them seriously. Like most of their football success is due to just Bill Snyder. When Bill Snyder left, they brought in Ron Prince for a little while. The, the program completely fell apart and Bill Snyder had to come back and, and they fix it. And they've had all kinds of problems on the basketball side. So it's been really hard to kind of think of them as our main rival. Um, it was actually kind of weird for the, for the first few years, it seemed like, you know, in terms of a rivalry type feel of a game, the games against TCU, especially in a football sense, were going to be those rivalry feeling games just because they were really, really close. It never really seemed to matter how good TCU was compared to Kansas. Like they always played really close games. Kansas always had a shot in those games. Um, obviously last year, notwithstanding, like that was a completely horrible game but it seemed like they were going to kind of fill into that i don't know that kansas really has a, a, a true rival in the in the big 12 anymore um kansas state would, is definitely the closest that they have to it i think iowa state is probably pretty close to just in terms of like the relative strength of the programs and then just how annoying it is to go up there for basketball um right so i mean i think kansas state and iowa state are probably the two closest things we actually have to a true rival in conference anymore but it's hard to really pick one at this point yeah, I I, I kind of feel the same way. All they're all very similar, but you don't run out so upstanding over the other. Yeah. All right. So final question: um, What is your prediction for this game? I mean, obviously, you know, I, I don't think anybody is reasonably expecting Kansas to win this game. But given how crazy the Big Twelve has been, like, are you worried that it could be a close game for a long time, um, or do you think that Texas Tech is going to handle this one pretty easily? I honestly think that Tech is probably going to handle it. I mean, the spread is 20, and I think that's probably about right. That makes me kind of waffle between, you know, what's the really final score going to be. Texas Tech has kind of struggled on offense, and so I would probably take the uh, – I would probably take Kansas, you know, if betting against the spread, but Texas Tech straight up. Um, so I think 20 is probably a little bit too much because the offense has kind of struggled. Um, and turnovers always kind of tend to lead to lower scores too. So if Tech can fix the turnover problem, um, then, yeah, I think that Tech probably wins, you know, by more. But that that hasn't happened yet. Or at least definitely hasn't exhibited the ability to do that just yet. So that bothers me about that particular one. So, um, so that's my prediction. I think that it's probably – I don't know, like a 15 to 17 point game, even though the math probably doesn't really work out on that. But I, but that's kind of how I, I think it'll go down. Just because, too, I think that 
Kansas has issues, you know, with the new offensive coordinator, even though it's still going to be Beatty. I don't know. There's just there there Kansas has other things going on too, you know. So I I just wonder how much that's going to play into the game. Yeah, and we kind of talked about this actually on our on our last podcast episode, um, or I'm sorry, the a couple ago, our our, our last football one, um, that you know, given all the information that's come out in terms of Meacham getting fired, it seems like the last couple of years there's really been a, a disconnect and kind of almost a tug of war inside the offensive personnel um, situation there. And so, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Kansas offense looks better this week, just because it's only one guy that's really driving the vision for what they want to do. Um, it might simplify things. It might make it a little bit more clear for, for some of these players. I don't think any of these players would ever actually come out and talk bad about the coaches and, you know, say they really didn't make it clear what we were supposed to be doing or anything like that. Um, but getting rid of Meacham, while I think tactically probably isn't the best, the, the best move for them to make and give them the best opportunity to win, it probably will simplify the situation, make it a little bit easier for them to run some some coherent game plan um, now, the question is, how successful is it going to be? And uh, really, I think that comes down to how well the defense is able to play. Um, if if what you're saying is true about Duffy, you know, it sounds like Kansas probably can probably count on getting one or two turnovers in the game. Um, the question is going to be, you know, is that are those turnovers to stop what would have been a scoring drive for Texas Tech or are those kind of throw away turnovers that don't really do much to change the momentum. If they can if they can do like they did against West West Virginia and get a couple turnovers as West Virginia is really close to the end zone and take away big scores, I think that gives Kansas an opportunity to really shift the momentum. Um that being said, you know, I, I could see I could see Kansas squeaking out a really close win if if the turnover battle goes their way. But I do think the Texas Tech offense is just so much stronger than the Kansas offense. Um, that the Jayhawks are going to struggle to get a lot going offensively. Texas Tech won't, um, especially with the ability to kind of beat Kansas down or deep. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I have to agree. I think Texas Tech wins by double digits. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a 10-point win. Um, I do think, however, that they're definitely going to hit the over on that. Um, the over under right now is, is 58 and a half points. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't see this being any less like I don't see Texas Tech scoring any less than 35 and I think Kansas will probably score in the low 20s so um, yeah I kind of see the same thing yeah 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 I mean so like I wouldn't be surprised by like a 35 27 score or something like that um, I also wouldn't be surprised by a 45 to you know 30 so um, yeah I mean I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of scoring one because Kansas is definitely prone to getting uh, burned deep I think Texas Tech is prone to giving up the big play with their with their defense as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at the scoring averages for these two teams. Um, you know, it adds up to 50, let's see, to 57 points. So just going by their scoring averages and not taking into account the fact that, you know, Texas Tech's offense is probably one of the better ones that Kansas will have seen all year. Um, you know, I definitely think that we're, we're looking at a shootout here one way or another. So, all right. Um, any other final thoughts you wanted to leave us with? No, thank you so much for your time. Thanks hey, for having no me problem. I really so, appreciate it. So, Seth, how how can the people find you online? Uh, just go to stakingtheplanes.com. That's where us and a bunch of guys and some gals and all talk Texas Tech. Um, you can find us at Staking the Plane with no S on Twitter. 
Um, I don't even remember my Twitter handle, but that's really not important. Uh, <laughs> but if you go to the site, you'll find us, and uh, we're a pretty good group of guys and gals. So uh, we're pretty lucky to have such a big community. So Sounds um, good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember working with you when you were over at uh, at Viva the Matadors, and it's been great to kind of keep in touch and, and collaborate with you guys when Texas Tech games come out. So was was happy to do it again this time, and we'll definitely have to have someone from you guys on uh, when they meet up in, in, in basketball. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that. I, I do have to ask, though, because, you know, obviously we are a Kansas podcast, and we like to talk about basketball, especially since the season's close. What do you how, – how do you see the Big 12 shaking out this year? I mean – I, I could see Texas Tech anywhere from, you know, second or third in the conference to all the way down to like, you know, eighth if things break right for the other teams. So um, I, I know you guys lost quite a bit. Um, how are you looking or how excited are you going into basketball season? Well, I mean, we're super pumped uh, just because of the success last year. Without question, Kansas is the top of the conference. It's not even close. This is the deepest, most talented. Jayhawk team, I can recall. I mean, like, and the, the scariest year, thing is that even if Silvio de Souza gets ruled ineligible because of this whole Adidas trial thing, they're still easily the most, like, the deepest and most talented team in the conference. Without question, and like, I'm, I've tried to go back in my memory banks to remember a team more talented and more deep, and there just isn't one. So you guys are loaded. Uh, Kansas State's going to be very good. I think that. Um, they'll probably be the second best team in the conference. Like you said, I think that the Texas Tech added two transfers, uh, Matt Mooney from South Dakota State, um, I think, and then uh, Tariq Owens from uh, St. John's. Um, so uh, we returned Jarrett Culver, um, who was a really good freshman last year. So we have a pretty nice core. I just don't know what's going to happen after that. Um, so there's still a lot that we kind of have to figure out um, after those are kind of the three main guys. And we've got some other guys uh, down low, um, but nowhere near as talented as Kansas. So, um, yeah, I think that Tech could finish anywhere between – realistically, I don't think that we finish second or third. Um, I think that we're probably closer to like a fourth to eight, depending on how the season goes, because TCU is going to be good. I mean, there's just a handful of teams. And I think that Iowa State's probably going to rebound a bit. I don't know what West Virginia is going to be, but they still – don't they return – they and return quite a bit. They're, they they seem to be the consensus, you know, second or third best team in the Big 12. I the, the way I've been seeing it most often and and honestly, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with this, um, but it's Kansas at 1, Kansas State and West Virginia probably at 2-3 and then under that it's, you know, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, like everybody else is kind of right there. Um the only teams that are like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I think most people are thinking are going to be towards the bottom of the conference this year. But other than that, I mean, the rest of it is all a mess. So yes, I I tend to agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, personally, and and you know, I've I've talked about this a little bit before, but personally, I think Kansas State might be getting overhyped just based off of a really lucky run in the in in the NCAA tournament. Um, but you know, we'll have to see how well they play. They do have a lot coming back and. Sometimes those very veteran teams play a little bit better than their talent level would typically suggest just because, you know, they have that chemistry and they they have all that They just don't make as but, many mistakes. Usually, right. like, uh, and so, like, Kansas is a team that can make up for mistakes because they have, they're so good athletically and just from a basketball standpoint. And so that's what was 
good about Texas Tech last year is that they had veteran players that didn't make as many turnovers, mistakes, and critical situations. So that can make or break a team. You know, Keenan Evans last year was huge for us. Yep. No one else handled the ball. So. All right. Well, Seth, once again, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it so much. Yep, and good luck on, on Saturday. <laughs> you guys as well. All right. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, thanks Seth, for joining me. Just a few notes on what's coming up for the weekend. Today, uh, Kansas soccer team travels to Texas to play. Uh, Texas is ranked number 17, so this is a big, a big match for them. Um, then tomorrow on Saturday, they have the, the volleyball team plays at home against Iowa State. That game will be on ESPN Plus for those of you that want to watch. And then, of course, obviously we have uh, the game against Texas Tech down in Lubbock. Um, then soccer will also pick up Saturday, or I'm sorry, Sunday at, at 2 p.m. That one's on ESPNU. They are at number 13 Baylor. So two huge games for the soccer team this this weekend. Um, but again, thank you guys for listening today. You can catch us online on on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. You can email us rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please find us on iTunes, rate, subscribe, five stars, all that fun stuff. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network.